grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you here with us. Um, there is a friendship pad that should be in each pew on the center end, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today. You may find some stray names there from uh, New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve that didn't get picked up. I don't know, but you can check out to see who sat in your pew on those evenings if those didn't get picked up. Uh, there's an announcement sheet that is inside of the bulletin. Lots of things are starting up afresh here in January. You'll see that if you would like to have offering envelopes, if that's the way you give is with the traditional offering envelopes, they are available out on the patio today. For our third Friday on January 15th, we are very excited to have Steve Haas coming from World Vision. He is going to be talking about Syrian refugees and particularly the part of the refugee situation that World Vision addresses. They are concerned especially with children in the world, and so World Vision is working with the children in refugee camps, and he has lots of stories about what can be done and what needs to be done for those children, many of whom may be in a refugee camp for several years before they are able to move on to someplace else. Uh, you do not have to be a member of Third Friday to come. You, everyone is welcome to that, and it's a potluck, but you do need to sign up so we know how many places to set. Also, our book talk group is meeting this month. You see January 26th. We are reading both To Kill a Mockingbird and Go set a watchman. Anyone who has read the books is invited to come and be part of that conversation. Uh, something new, uh, Dr. Jeff McCrory, who is playing in our praise band over there, waving his fingers at us. <clears throat> One of the things that Jeff does is he teaches at the New, Sem new Theological Seminary of the West, and you see that there is a class there that he is doing on Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, the Four Gospels. There is a bargain price of, to uh, audit it, and you are welcome to do that and sign up. That's coming up very soon, so you'll want to hurry up if you're interested in that. Also, our women's Bible study group that meets on Wednesday mornings is starting a new study, Watching from the Shadows, about 24 women in the biblical story, and that will begin signing up, I believe, next Sunday. Our women's retreat is signing up also beginning next Sunday. We're so excited to have Candy Blankman back. And she is going to be talking about behind the scenes, women behind the scenes in the story of the Exodus. It is going to be quite a, quite a retreat. So you can sign up for that beginning next week. Lots of other things that are going on there. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Into your presence, sovereign Lord, we come. We confess that you are our Savior and our Lord, that you have been on the move in our lives, that all of creation is filled with your presence. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear that we may be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask in your name. Amen. Comfort, O oh comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A, A voice, voice cries out, out in, in the, the wilderness, wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. 
Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. He gives gives power power to to the the faint faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will will faint and be weary, and the the young young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Let us stand and worship God together. All ye who hear, come. Let us praise the Lord together. church as we wait upon the
together. Together, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. You always been. whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my sins to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. So in the silence, we bring to the Lord our personal confessions. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
do not have the final financial report for 2015, but I just want to say that from early indications, uh, we are uh, very close to our goal. And I want to say thank you for your generosity, for your goodness of heart, and um, for uh, through your prayers and through your giving of supporting the mission of God through this congregation here in our city. So uh, thanks be to God. It's good to see you all on this first Sunday of the new year, 2016. And this is likely to be a very interesting year, election year being what it is. What better Sunday than to begin to talk about the ministry of John the Baptist. And um, I'm going to read the text this morning from, um, from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message. Listen to Matthew chapter 3. While Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John, called the baptizer, was preaching in the desert country of Judea. His message was simple and austere, like his desert surroundings. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John, dressed in a camel hair habit, tied at the waist by a leather strap, he lived on a diet of locust and wild field honey. People poured out of Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordanian countryside to hear and see him in action. There at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a changed life. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to make any difference? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as a father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom of life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Good news? Bad news. Richard Mao begins his little book, Uncommon Decency, with this quote from this poem that I have loved, written in 1921 by William Butler Yeats, called The Second Coming. Just a small part of it, he says, characterizes the generation, the time in which we live, and the time in which John the Baptist lived. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. 
Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Pray with me. Lord, we seek to have our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies prepared for the inbreaking of your kingdom. Thank you for your servant John, who came as a bright, shining light to bear witness to the true light which was coming into the world. We ask now that your Holy Spirit would bring illumination to his word for our lives. In his name we pray, amen. <coughs> Excuse my voice, I carry the remnants of the holiday. The Baptist was this amazing personality Luke tells us the fuller story of how the Annunciation came to the parents of John the Baptist, that they would be given a son who would prepare the way of the Lord, who would prepare the people of God for the inbreaking of the king. And what was released within that immediate family was a profound sense of mystery, of wonder, of joy. that God was at work. And when Mary and Elizabeth got together, the embryo of John the Baptist leaped in her womb for joy because he knew he was in the presence of the Holy One. And there was celebration. John seemed to disappear. Jesus seemed to disappear for all those quiet years of growing up. But the Gospels tell us that the good news of Jesus Christ had its beginning in the ministry of John the Baptist. And if we're going to work our way to Nazareth and to Jesus, We have to travel the highway that leads to the desert, through the desert, through John the Baptist, because he was the witness in a generation that was searching and listening for all kinds of voices promising hope. Indeed, the world in which John the Baptist lived was falling apart. And there were all kinds of self-proclaimed messiahs And Rome was ruling the Holy Land. And the Jewish people were crying out. The voice of prophecy had not been heard for 400 years. And the people felt in their own land as if they were in exile. Cut off. Powerless. Hopeless. But then one day, a new voice began to be heard. And it was the voice of John the Baptist that he came and he had taken vows. He'd never cut his hair. Donald Trump would have nothing on John the Baptist in terms of frock of hair. And he was dressed in in camel skins and he had a leather belt around his waist, and he lived in the desert, and he ate locust and wild honey. And his life had been shaped and formed by the vision of the kingdom of God communicated by Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah spoke to those who were living in exile in the 6th century in Babylon. A people who had lost hope, who had lost their land, lost their king, lost the temple, 
had been transported to a distant land. And there they languished, wondering, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? The voice of Isaiah began to be heard as a, as a word of comfort to those in exile. Comfort, oh comfort my people. Your sins have been forgiven. You've paid the full penalty. And now, the sovereign God, the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the covenant at Mount Sinai, the God of the covenant with David, this God is moving. This God is at work in your history. And this God is preparing a highway in the desert between Babylon and Jerusalem. And after a hundred years, this presence, this glory of the living God is going to journey down that highway, leading his people like a flock, a good shepherd, bringing his people out of ex exile in a new exodus, bringing them into the promised land, resettling them, reestablishing Jerusalem and the temple. It was everything they had ever longed to hear, that God was not finished with them. God's purpose and plan, his will, was being done in the presence of all kinds of enemies. Now, if you place yourself in the desert where John lived, and you've been reading the scrolls of Isaiah the prophet, written, say, five, six hundred years before, and you've been reading those scrolls and identifying with that message, and under the power of the Holy Spirit, having your imagination stirred, it was this that was transforming John into this voice who would cry out in another time of hopelessness and powerlessness to a people. John had become so identified with the message of Isaiah, which was really a message about the greatness and the goodness of God the creator of the heavens and the earth, Israel's covenant God who had delivered them from Egyptian slavery once before and settled them in the land. Now God was doing it again. The same God in glory that had traveled with them into Babylon was now leading them back. And John believed had crawled into a cradle in Bethlehem to be present with his people, to bring hope, to establish the presence and power of the Holy One in their midst. I am convinced at the beginning of this new year that it is this transcendent vision of the Holy One of Israel mediated to us through the word of the prophets and apostles incarnate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus proclaimed in the mission of the church and the power of the Spirit it is this vision that the church needs, that our nation needs in this very troubled time. We live in a world filled with so many voices vying for power, competing with one another. And in the midst of this cacophony of political and religious voices... There is a voice that we dare not miss. And it is the voice of the prophet who had been granted the vision to see and to hear the transcendent glory 
of the holy God of Israel on the move in history, bringing salvation, restoration, joy. I need that in my own life. It is the only vision, it's the only message that can hold us fast in troubling times. When we can't see clearly, when we feel surrounded by our enemies, when we're afflicted with powerlessness, it is to be reclaimed and rediscovered by the presence and the power of God, to have our imagination stirred, to have our wills mobilized, to have our lives so filled with the Holy Spirit that we have something to give and to say to the world. Otherwise, we become just another impotent religious institution. Other voices have tried to tell us about this biblical vision. C.S. Lewis said, mere Christianity, that we live in enemy-occupied territory, this planet Earth. There's been a rebellion here. In the Chronicles of Narnia, he talked about a land named Narnia where it was always winter and Christmas never came. You ever think about that? Thank God Christmas came with its full meaning. But that land was, was frozen over by the magical spells of the wicked witch by means of fairy tale, Lewis telling us the biblical message that this planet Earth struggles under the powers of evil and we've lost our freedom and we need to be set free. The rumor in Narnia was that Aslan was on the move, that the spring thaw was coming, that Father Christmas had been seen in the land, that Aslan, the true sovereign of this frozen over land, had come to bring springtime, hope. The little girl asked Mrs. Beaver, how will, we be, how will we be able to see a huge lion? Is he safe? Safe, Mrs. Beaver said. Who says anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. I think I tell that every Christmas because it strikes true, especially with this message today with Isaiah and John the Baptist. Because what John the Baptist saw in his own time was springtime coming, hope being reborn a savior on the way, and it had touched his life. And perhaps he, he, he looked like a wild man from the desert. No doubt he did. He didn't wear a three-piece suit. Nor was he out there organizing a political revolution. Nor was he raising money to put in his own campaign coffers. He had one passion, Talk about intensity, but it was an intensity that was disciplined by the reality of the kingdom of God. And he saw the holders of religious power coming out. The whole country was being stirred. Even Josephus, the Jewish historian, talks about the ministry of John the Baptist, as do each of the Gospels. And when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the good Presbyterians and serious Bible students and the Episcopalians and the megachurch independent leadership coming out to have a baptismal experience. He said to them what might not seem exactly civil, you bunch of snakes, you brood of vipers, not many of us can preach to our congregations and get by with that for very long. How come you've come slithering out here to the river to have some water sprinkled on your skins? It's not having just some water on your skin that makes the difference. 
you got to bear fruit worthy of repentance. To repent means to turn around. It means to give yourself to a life of transformation, of being a kingdom citizen, of loving God with the totality of your being and sharing the vision of the inbreaking kingdom. It means walking in the power of the Spirit and having your life manifesting the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, generosity, faithfulness, all these great fruits of the Spirit that get translated in how we live our lives together and how we treat one another and how we speak about one another. And he said to them, don't claim that Abraham is your father. I tell you, you can claim John Calvin and John Knox and all the great personalities of your time as long as you want to. But what really matters is the realization that God, through his power, is able to raise up children to Abraham. Jews are Gentiles. Slave are free. Male are female. You name it, God is able to act in human life because God is sovereign of life. And is it work in this moment wanting to speak to you and to call you to get serious about your faith? You can't practice it just as something that you do by custom. Just because it's the thing to do, like belonging to the country club or whatever other establishment that we think will solidify our existence. You need to know that the axe is already at the root of the tree and is beginning to cut it down. You got to get serious about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And this is a word for me as well, for every pastor in the church, for every congregation. The good news that God is on the move, that he's closer than we think. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's here this morning in the proclaiming of this word that God is present. That's the only agenda that John the Baptist had. And many must have thought, well, wait a minute, here he is. He's just a voice crying in the wilderness. As Stalin asked about the Pope, how many tanks does he have? And John said, well, look, I've come to baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me who is greater than I am. He's going to baptize you with fire and spirit. Wow. A great day of salvation, of judgment, and of grace. A transformative moment in all of human history. He's present already. I can see the glory of the Lord. And John went even farther in his message. He said, you see, Jesus, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the one who is the true light. This is the glory of God incarnate in the face of Jesus not some abstract notion about who God might be. John says, it's not me. I'm not bearing witness to myself, but I'm bearing witness to the one who stands amongst you. And he got so powerful in his preaching, this John did, that Herod Antipas finally had him jailed. And John lost his head and became a martyr for silly superficial reasons and yet the message was clear Herod Antipas who loved to hear him preach who respected him could not deal with the power of the prophetic critique in his own life and his own immorality but before they took his head off John in his discouragement 
send two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one that we've been waiting for or should we wait for another? Because it doesn't seem to be going exactly according to my calendar. John, you see, was the last of the Old Testament prophets. I don't see much fire. I don't see many baptisms. I don't see you mobilizing the armies of Israel to throw out the wicked Romans. Let's get on with it, Jesus. Jesus sent his, John's two disciples back to him, and the only answer John ever received, the last word he had from Jesus was, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. Lepers are being cleansed. The dead are being raised. And the poor are hearing good news. And blessed are all of those who take no offense at me. Jesus was telling John, John, remember what you read in Isaiah's manuscript. Because these are the signs of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. And anyone who comes with a message of salvation that says, I am the greatest, follow me. I am the most powerful. I am the wealthiest. And I intend to live and to lead in such a way that life gets turned upside down around me. <clears throat> False Messiah. The inbreaking of the kingdom comes in acts of mercy and justice and righteousness and peace. We'll hear many voices this year and we'll be pulled in one way or another, and I'm not endorsing any of them. But I'm listening, just like you are. And the standard for judging the voices that we hear is in the message of Jesus to John. The inbreaking of the kingdom comes in a personal presence that liberates us from the powers of sin and death, cleans us up, restores community, justice and righteousness, and moves the world toward peace and holiness. Thanks be to God. Fred Craddock, one of the great teachers of preaching, preached a famous sermon published everywhere. He asked the question, have you heard John preach? He said, what makes John such a terrifying presence? Is that he brings the living, personal power and presence of God into our lives. And he said, that is what everybody really wants. And at the same time, it's what everybody does not want. Because who knows what the implications of the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven are going to be all about. Yet we are open and we are ready and we are waiting, and we are expecting, and we know the truth of it already. Christmas has come. Join me in prayer. Oh, dear Lord God, our vision of you can be so small and insignificant. We are tempted by the voices that we hear Help us to hear the true voice, the voice of the one 
who cries out in the wilderness, who brings a message of hope and healing, of love, of mercy, of grace, of justice and righteousness for all the little ones, the broken ones, the marginalized ones, the ones who feel alone and powerless. Help us to see, help us to hear, and help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We present our morning offering. God, the author and giver of all good things. We thank you for all of your mercies and your loving care 
for all of your children. In this new year, we pray that you would open up our eyes to each other and to all our brothers and sisters, especially the poor, the oppressed, and the alienated. Give us hearts that are ready and able to make a difference for good in the lives of others. And we pray that your love, justice, and peace may come. As a church, cause us to make our joy complete by aiming to be like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose, to be a witness to our community and to our world that we depend upon Jesus Christ for all things. Take now these offerings from our hands that we might reflect the light of Christ and how we love you and love our neighbor. We lift up now the prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Be thou my vision. John's words and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been invited to see, to hear, and to follow the Savior and Lord, the true sovereign of heaven and earth, revealed in Jesus Christ. Go forth as bearers of the kingdom, bearing the fruit of changed lives by the power of the Spirit, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.